Hello. These are extraordinary times in financial markets, and when every asset seems to be rocketing up or down or both, it's hard to lift your eyes to the horizon to think about what's next. But that's what we have for you today. We've asked our global network of 152 equity and fixed income analysts their assessment of the impact of the coronavirus pandemic, and they've delivered some startling responses. I'm Richard Edgar, and joining me to discuss the results of the survey are Head of Research for Fixed Income, Marty Dropkin, and working from home but talking to us via the wonders of technology, Director of Research for Equities, Fiona O'Neill. Welcome to you both. Hi, Hi Richard. Richard. First of all, we're recording this at the end of the week when the penny seemed finally to drop about how bad the slowdown could be. Uh, But I want to start with a ray of hope from China, where analysts are pointing to a sharp slowdown, but a remarkably fast recovery. Now, Fiona, let's, let's come to you first of all. Explain these findings, if you would. Yeah, I think what's really striking is we asked the analysts whether they thought that corona is going to be a half-year 2020 impact or a full-year 2020 impact. And what really stands out is that 85% of the China analysts have said they think it's going to be a half-year impact, whereas for most other regions, it is much closer to 50% or more, who think it's going to be a full-year impact. So that sort of suggests to me that our China analysts are thinking that we may be through the worst, and that actually we may see a recovery in China, possibly even a V-shaped recovery, so that really it's only the half-year that gets impacted from an earnings perspective. Marty, that's pretty encouraging, isn't it? Um, First of all, how deep will this hit be in China? And then, why is the recovery going to happen? so quickly. Yeah, well, I came from a fund meeting this morning, and we discussed this exact topic. Um, So the survey results actually fit very well with what I'm hearing from our Asia fund management team, which is that we are starting to see things normalize in Asia. I think we're starting to see traffic on on the MTR, which is the subway in Hong Kong. Um, We're starting to see restaurants fill back in. And so I think the, the, the view is China got hit a little bit early, but it is starting to recover a little bit. How deep will it go? You know, the, the supply chain, which I know we'll come on to in a little bit, is, has been hit a little bit. But I think we're, we're expecting a reasonably quick snapback in China. And Fiona, why that, that snapback? I think to Marty's point, you know, if we look at the freeform answers that we gave the analysts the opportunity to fill in and feed us with anecdotes from their companies, so many companies are actually back up to over 80% capacity utilisation in their plants and factories. Um, In fact, numbers of 92% plus are also being quoted. So it has been short and sharp. And as long as there isn't a wave two of the virus in China, then China looks like it's getting back to normal. So so basically, just, just, just to explain then, is that because China was able to impose an almost universal lockdown in the country, so they've managed to stop the spread of the virus, and then they've ordered uh, workers back. That's, that, that's the message we're seeing in, in, uh, in the news. And this seems to be bearing that out, and, and also how that, will have, um, uh, how that will play out in the economy. Yeah, so look, it looks like, as painful as it was, China may well have taken the right steps, both from a point of view of containing the virus and also for limiting the economic impact and, and keeping that to as minimum a time frame as possible. Just to echo Fiona's point, there's been a very strong policy response in China. We've seen some in Hong Kong too. I know there was another podcast where we talked about helicopter money. These are the types of things that have happened uh, across China that, uh, that have contributed to this bounce back. Um, very 
organise in their in their response there. Although, is there a risk that we're counting chickens before they're hatched? I mean, you, you alluded to this, Fiona, that the virus is gone for now, but even with the control in China, um, it is not an island. It's It's got people moving across its borders. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I don't think any of us know what's going to happen over the next few weeks. All we can go by is what's happened to date. And certainly things are looking much more encouraging in China. Okay, well, let's talk about the rest of the world, though. How do our analyst expectations compare? It's pretty frightening. I think we're all expecting big numbers. But when you see it writ large, that for over 50% of our analysts who think that we are going to be facing a full year impact in most regions from the virus, they've got that translating into 20% plus cuts to earnings in pretty much every sector. And if we really stop... And we really digest that. That's huge. How will that play out? In, in, so in fixed income, Marty, the companies that you cover, if you're seeing income drop by a fifth, what impact does that have? Yeah, no, it's, it's the right question. And so it's, it's the work that the analysts are doing right now. So, you know, for the companies with more solid balance sheets, let's call them the investment grade names with strong liquidity, reasonable access to markets, They'll weather the storm. And actually, if you look at what uh, you know, some of the central banks are doing, the, the Fed and, and, and the ECB, just to name a couple of them, some of their actions may even benefit more strongly some of, the, some of the companies with stronger balance sheets. It's the ones with the riskier balance sheets that we're focused on. They may face liquidity issues if there's a supply shock. These are the companies that have working capital needs that might have maturities uh, sooner rather than later. That's where the stress on the system will be. Moving to sectors, the analysts unsurprisingly identify non-cyclicals like utilities and consumer staples as likely to fare the best. But Marty, there are some surprises too. Yeah, the surprise is probably that telcos and IT have actually shown up as more resilient in this environment. Now, the survey suggested that telecom companies won't even see an earnings drag. Um, and IT companies may see an earnings drag. A lot of our analysts suspect, expect that they will, but that they will recover fairly quickly. A couple of theories on that, one short term and one medium term. I think the short term one is, and it links very much to what Fiona just talked about, which is this capacity increase in China where we're getting back to normal levels. A lot of the IT supply chain is based in China. And so I, I think our analysts are probably expecting that demand will come back in, orders will come in, and their P&L won't be destroyed. And what's the medium term? So the medium term one is more around perhaps shift in work patterns. We, like many companies, are shifting more to a little bit of a work and home environment to react to the virus implications. That could create a permanent shift in work habits. And so, you know, individuals may be buying more IT equipment. Individuals may be utilizing more bandwidth on a permanent basis. So this accelerates um, a, a change in behaviors, in, in working behaviors. I fully expect that it will. Uh, we also asked uh, analysts how prepared their sectors are for the virus attack to, to get worse. Um, what was going on there, Fiona? Look, most of the analysts are saying at best their companies are somewhat prepared. It's really the minority of companies that are well prepared or highly prepared. I think this has just caught everybody off guard and certainly the scale of it. 
I mean, particularly bad were um, energy companies and materials. The thing that kind of jumps out to me that's a little bit scary is that, yes, healthcare is one of the sectors that is a little bit better prepared, but still um, 35% or so of the analysts expect that healthcare companies aren't even really prepared. So uh, this is, you know, this is something to, to keep our eyes open around. Well, this survey is the first in a new quarterly series, which expands on the annual Fidelity Analyst Survey. Uh, So it allows us to update the main measures in the annual survey, like um, overall sentiment. Now, it's absolutely no surprise that sentiment has fallen dramatically since January. Um, Revenue growth margins are capex. They're all falling like stones. Um, But how bad is it? It's pretty bad. I mean, it's about six weeks, seven weeks since we sat in discussed with you the annual survey, Richard. And at that time, we were talking about green shoots and the fact that if corona didn't turn into a full-scale pandemic, maybe there would still be green shoots by the end of the year. And what we're seeing with this most recent survey is a full-scale reversal across most sectors and most regions, so that most analysts in most sectors, with the exception of telecoms and some IT that we've talked about, are expecting earnings to now be down across the year without exception. And there doesn't really seem to be anywhere to go from that, um, other than these rays of hope, perhaps from China. Is that going to be um, anything that, that the rest of the world can can hang on to? I, I think people are trying to hold on to that. And, and you know, this, the resilience of China and the policy response should be a message to the rest of the world. And I think we're starting to see some countries react to that. But I also think the, the real game changer to me from when we ran the, the analyst survey at the end of the year and now is, is the oil shock. Um, you know, we're talking about oil at around $30 a barrel now. And that is a huge impact on the market. It's so pervasive throughout many sectors. And so that, that to me is one of the biggest changes, biggest changes. And I think just picking up on one other thing we talked about quite a lot with the annual survey was, you know, the positive outlook in some sectors for recruitment and for boosting the workforce. And we haven't repeated that question right here, right now, but reading these results, you know, I think there has to now be a question mark over just how many companies are going to be focused on recruitment when they're really trying to just stay afloat. Okay, and just a little note now about the survey itself, because um, we uh, have based this on the responses of, I mentioned already, 152 um, analysts at Fidelity. And it's really hot off the presses because we were taking data up until half past nine yesterday morning on the, the, the 12th of March. Fiona, that, that really means that we're, uh, it, it, it's cutting edge information, this, isn't it? Well, it's current. And, and I think the key point to say is, you know, we've had to adapt how we interact with companies. You know, we haven't done so many face-to-face meetings in the last few weeks, but we have still been talking to the companies on the telephone via VC. And so as the analysts were filling this survey in in the last two to three days, it was informed, or the answers that they gave were informed by the most recent conversations that they've been having with their companies. That's how we can say with confidence that there is a number of industrial companies that are currently back at 92% capacity utilisation in China, for example. Really useful information. Marty? Yeah, I mean, it's it's actually really positive to see the analysts coordinating around this. And so, you know, the fixed income team is on the phone with CEFOs and treasurers to find out what's the liquidity dynamic, 
you know, companies are drawing their credit lines, let's better understand that, working with our equity colleagues to kind of interpolate the top line and, and really seeing who are, who are the survivors after this. Well, it's obviously a very dynamic situation, um, Marty. So we'll be updating this uh, frequently, I think. Uh, but that brings us to the end of this analyst survey update. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed listening. If you'd like to see the survey um, or the update in full or read more about our analysis of the results, you can read it all online at fidelityinstitutional.com. Thank you to my guests, Fiona Neal and Marty Dropkin, and thank you again uh, to all, all our analysts. The producer was Seb Morton-Clark, but from me, goodbye. This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied on by private investors. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is intended only for the person or entities to which it is sent. It must not be reproduced or circulated to any other party without prior permission of fidelity. The value of investments can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. For other important legal notices, please see our website, professionals.fidelity.co.uk forward slash about hyphen fidelity.